Hey everyone, welcome to the Fuel to Fight podcast. We got uh, Colonel John Alexander back, and we are going to talk about some neuro linguistic programming, some of the experience he had with it, uh, using it when he was uh, part of uh, Task Force Delta. Right? That was. Would that be accurate to say when when you're involved with that was when you well, mostly used it? This was really from INSCOM, the INSCOM initiative, uh, Intelligence and Security Command. Okay, and, and so. Uh, neuro-linguistic programming, the, the language of the brain, um, it's, it, it's basically, you know, what a, an action-oriented approach uh, to psychology, would you call it? A, a kind of programming y- your brain to, to do something differently? Well, a little history on that. It actually comes yeah. from psychotherapy. Uh, the originator, John Grinder and Richard Bandler, were working on their doctoral degree, and they looked at three famous psychotherapists. It was uh, Virginia Satir, Fritz Perls, and Milton Erickson. Uh, each of them kind of had their own niche in there. Erickson particularly was heavily involved in the hypnosis. But the question they were asking, one we had kind of addressed before, what's the difference that makes a difference? Why is it that these three psychotherapists can go out and work in a relatively short time with their patients and achieve these terrific results and other people who apparently use the same procedures don't come up with, with the same results? Now, the emphasis, of course, in psychotherapy, as we've mentioned, you got people who have problems, you know, by definition, if you're going to a psychotherapist. From the INSCOM perspective, that's not what we were looking at. We were looking at, hey, we got some really good people. And how do you take them and make them even better? And what do you do about that? So it's a, kind of the modeling process I'm sure we'll discuss is one of the main uh, areas of interest. Right. So there's there's different there's imagery training, I think, uh, you know, modeling, mirroring, even all the way to incarnations. There's a lot of different different, uh, you know, kind of features uh, that's part of the NLP um, practice. But for the military, you were specifically looking at modeling. Well, couple of errors. Modeling was certainly one of them. We got to mm-hmm. come to, you know, how that was, because actually NLP was a model. Mm-hmm. It was looking at these people and saying, what does each of them do that's critical? And it's what, you know, with analysis of the critical path model, basically. What are the things that you have to do and do them sequentially and have the desired outcomes uh, from that? And uh, so that's what they were doing. Now, I think from a military perspective, yeah, modeling, uh, what are the skills that are problematic for you now? And when you take your best experts and figure out how they do it, and what are the essential elements versus what are the things that individuals have kind of added to their own process? Uh, another is behavioral modification therapy. We got people, some, some of them do have problems and doing it. They may not be the point where you're referring to a, a psychotherapist, uh, you know, in the medical chain per se, but people where you may want to influence uh, their behavior with young troops. I mean, <laughs> we've seen, all seen problems there. And others, what I would call state uh, uh, elicitation. And that is, 
you know, one of the things we were working with, with people, you'd see them and you'd establish rapport. And that's one of the things you'll hear a lot about in NLP. And then how do you do that and then be able to quickly reestablish rapport, particularly when you're away from people for quite a while and come back and put in the, the anchoring, uh, if you will. And in, in, in the anchoring, that's... Uh... Isn't that a, like a, a, a physical habit or something associated with the behavior to kind of reinforce that? Right, right. What you do is you get them into a, that's why it's called, you know, the neural linguistic is establishing mm -hmm. this, these neural patterns. Uh, one of the quick tests that can't quite demonstrate it here, but we used to do it. You take somebody and get them to elicit, what's the worst thing you ever heard or thought of in that? And then say maybe, you know, pinch their thumb and that, and then go away and then come back and just pinch. And sure enough, those emotions return. And so that's a very simplistic answer. Uh, now, uh, I'll give you an example. My boss, who was uh, General Bert Subelbein, had a technique. When he came into the room, he dominated it. He walked up to everybody and he would grab your hand and then grab you by the elbow. And the now, he could do that, and then, and you, obviously, you felt good when the commanding general is doing that to you. Uh, he could come back and not even say a word, just walk up, and he would, you know, grab that people and, you know, reinitiate that. Gee, I feel good being with this guy. I want to please them and work hard. So, so yeah, so kind of using that 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 anchor to build rapport or to quickly uh, establish uh, yeah. a rapport. Now well, we were doing that. I might add, uh, we mentioned yeah. in the last iteration, uh, a lot of ours were working with what you call spies, mm -hmm. and so in the intelligence community, you had limited access to these individuals, and only on a recurring basis and for a very brief period of time. So that was one of the things they do is establish some kind of literally physical anchor and you would reinitiate that every time you had contact uh, with your individuals, hoping to make them feel, you know, hey, they want to continue helping us. Mm. So so this was NLP was used as a technique kind of in, in spycraft to 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 solidify those relationships and to quickly, right. you know, make the people comfortable. But then as we, we discussed, it was also used, you're also looking at it to improve soldier performance, particularly Correct. in the mirroring uh, standpoint of marksmanship, right? Well, what we did there, we called it- Or modeling, yeah. I should say. Yeah, yeah not yeah. Yeah, modeling, yeah. yeah. Yeah, marrying is one of the techniques. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's like I might shake my head, like you're shaking yeah. your head now, and then you get smiling, and that, and so it's it's a subtle technique that once you learn it, that when you are interacting with others, it again makes them feel good and want to go. The modeling aspect is following, as I said, a critical path model. What is it that you that experts do? and take a series of them. And from that, you can win out what is the things that must be done uh, in order to facilitate that skill. And as you may have seen, uh, Richard Bandler had just responded to me in the last few days and say, hey, with a high-tech army, 
you've got a lot of really high level skills in there. What are the ones that we might want to concentrate and particularly ones that are difficult? You know, one of the examples we used in the prior conversation uh, was uh, the uh, uh, Morse code. Because the problem was you train the individuals, they completed the school, and by the time they got to the next location, had to be retrained again. So what, what, what were the critical skills about that, and how do you make this transferable so that they can be repeated so when you get to your unit after going through your official schooling system, you want them where they're operational. So... You know, so so uh, Dr. Bandler, he was, you know, obviously one of the founders of this. So back then, and when we're talking 80s, 80s, he was working. He was working directly with the military. Yes, uh, I had both Bandler and Grinder at different times because they didn't talk to each other after they got their dissertation. But uh, yeah, I had them under contract to me. Okay, and so and so besides the 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 Morris code and then the marksmanship, like we we discussed the modeling, were there any other uh, projects that they they worked on that you know that did kind of show the power of NLP and and getting people to to where well, they need to be? We, we had not formal projects, no, mm-hmm. uh, but we had people who were attending a lot of NLP programs, you know, as civilians and. Probably not even saying, gee, I'm from the military and, and we're here, but we sent agents in uh, just to improve their skills. Uh, that, again, our difference was, you know, we're looking at how do you make good people better? So optimizing uh, cognitive performance. Did the, did the ML, NLP, did that continue on throughout your career and, or did, did it go away? Did it go away with Task Force Delta or do you know, did that, can it kind of? Well, the, the formal contractual relationship did. There were some others, uh, other groups, I think, that periodically, uh, most of them were external, like going to courses and things of that nature. They were offered in the civilian sector as opposed to what we were doing, where they were specifically, let's say, reporting to us. Did you do uh, any of that training? Did you go to any of those courses or? Well, in theory, I'm supposed to be one of the master trainers, yeah. But that's more because we also set up some internal ones, uh, particularly with Bandler and did some very intensive uh, work with a very small group as I think I've mentioned to, unfortunately, at this point, most of them have literally died off. So, uh, well, well, I guess what I ask and, and where I'm going with this is, so how long did that take? Like, how, how long did it take to, to get you to the master, like, kind of training level? Like, like what, if, if that was well, to be replicated today? Yeah, that's a little hard to say because, I uh, you know, the, the periods that we were dealing with them, maybe one to two years, mm. but that wasn't the only thing we did. Remember, I had a day job. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was part of it, but it was just one of many things that we were doing simultaneously. We would periodically uh, have uh, Bandler in or go to one of the places where they were giving uh, civilian courses and intent. 
is, is that something that you think is is feasible today and and or or beneficial to today? Is that something that might you know as we you know kind of we talk about holistic health and one of the the pieces is you know cognitive performance and I think this definitely you know falls in that bucket. Um, is this you know where you could take soldiers out you know for for a week and have them do this sort of training and they could come back and impact the unit? Uh, in my view, yes. And I would be selective about how you do it. Now, to be fair, there is considerable criticism of this, particularly from other psychotherapists. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of like, you know, intra-school it, it, uh, fighting and uh, whatnot, I think. But um, again, we went with what works. We continued it because we were getting results and we'd continue to do it. I think, yes, there is potentially benefit. I've looked at a number of the areas where I think you might uh, apply this. One of them, of course, as we said, is what's, what are your critical skills? What are really tough skills that certain individuals appear to do better on than, than others? Um, and, you know, doing that. Uh, one of them, I think, that has not been explored is PTSD. PTSD, yeah. 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 Because, you know, these individuals have been traumatized by certain things, and there are techniques you can go in. I think we're going to talk about this one of literally changing right. history uh, and maybe mitigating, if not eliminating, some of the things that are the trigger mechanisms that are causing the agitation to the individual. All right. Get him. So, so yeah, so, so the NLP, so typically, you know, it could, it could optimize performance, but what we're, you're talking about in like with the post-traumatic stress, it, it's also therapeutic. And so, um, it could be, you know, with, with soldiers or somebody with trauma could also be used in a, in, in a clinical setting. Is, is that kind of where uh, we left off? Yes. We, um, let's say we did some work with altering history. I have watched Bambler cure phobias in minutes. I mean, some of it's just really amazing. Bad news is you can also install phobias pretty quickly. So there are huge ethical issues uh, once you learn some of these uh, techniques. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, what you want to do is to anchor them in positive uh, sorts of states. Uh, but try to mitigate, uh, you know, uh, my view has been that, uh, global war on terror. We have no idea what the cost of that is. And I don't mean that in just dollars and cents. But, um, you know, we've had, we had folks who were in combat more than three times anybody in World War II. Civilians don't recognize that. We talk, particularly in you know, my background in the uh, special operations, you know, the op tempo was absolutely horrendous. And so, you know, it's a very macho thing to come out of that and say, nah, I'm okay. And that. But reality is there are things that are being embedded there as, you know, critical emotional uh, issues uh, that, uh, yeah, there's some ways to uh, probably um, ameliorate that. And so with that, we'll, you know, get into the scenario that, that we've kind of d discussed before um, offline, but there was a an agent, right, a, a CIA agent kind of caught, uh, you know, in, in a situation and recovered 
and this technique was used to to bring them back to normalcy in my well this came in actually uh andre it's a mm -hmm. real name i won't give his last name was yeah. captured in uh lebanon mm -hmm. and he is the only agent that we were actually able to recover alive and we said how'd that happen he says well the cavalry came over the hill at the last minute because he was about to be uh, assassinated. So, but he was part of the working group with us. One, the group we were dealing with is multi-agency. And I had CIA and NSA and uh, uh, some from uh, uh, Navy uh, as well. And uh, we went to the pistol shooting just because everybody shot guns. So in Andre's case, that was kind of a serendipitous thing. Let's, let's work with this guy. We got him here. And he went back and we did, again, elicitation of what happened. How did it go about and him reliving it? And says one of the things that he had, had he says, one of them, it's all retrospect. He says, you know, he had violated among the tenants. He'd started taking the same route every day. And then he said, uh, after he thought about it, he said, you know, he noticed that certain people were standing in certain places and he didn't think much of it. Turns out that was the uh, uh, part of the crowd that uh, snatched him. Uh, but what we were able to do and chose to is to take him and say, okay, we're gonna change your history. And we got him, uh, they were using the, the voice stress analyzer but uh, we were able to get him to the point where he could describe what happened that day and getting captured was not one of them. The point here is that being kidnapped and set up for assassination is very emotionally intense. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. to be able to take that as if it hadn't happened is uh, pretty, uh, kind of an extreme example of the kinds of things that uh, are are possible, and and so and you might know the might not know the answer to this, but so he was able to put that you know being captured and and life threatened that very traumatic you know experience behind him to pass a polygraph, but do you know? emotionally was he still i mean did he did he still recognize that or was it like it was completely oh, like wiped from the hard drive that, that's the, there's a difference between emotional and cognitive mm. i mean his cognitive recollection he knew that that uh, had happened um i mentioned you know one of the things we were worried about we mentioned before we were dealing with spies and we were worried mm. about people who were coming out from behind the Iron Curtain going back and forth. We knew the KGB was picking up some of them. So you needed to know whether or not the person had been trained. So we brought them out, you did do polygraph. So we were working here, training our people in counter polygraph techniques. That's where, where this was going. Uh, well, now the extreme case was him. Now, what we did is a very sophisticated technique that we used in opening up and changing that history. You had to give him a new history of things so he could account for what had happened during the period uh, where he had been uh, abducted and be able to do it in a, a very convincing way. And um, 
you can't just go, you know, take a chunk and then here's a new chunk. You've got to meld these things together because there's a before, during, and after. And those have got to be seamlessly welded uh, together so you can account for the entire period and doing it without the emotional attachment that uh, you would have from a traumatic event. Uh, hence is why I'm saying that uh, maybe this has applicability in PTSD. So how long did that take when working with him? So from when you guys got him uh, out of that situation, you're, you're working with him to, to when he's able to basically have a new history of what happened during that uh, time? Uh, maybe an hour. Wow. Yeah, well, that, that was the main thing about all of these things that I mentioned before, having watched them work with phobias and do that in a period of five minutes or so. I mean, some of these things were very powerful. But but so an hour, was that an hour straight or like five minutes or 15 minutes? Because I imagine this is very intense, like you said, and delicate. So yeah. so did you break that up over? Uh, remember, this was 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, but uh, no, I mean, we were working, you know, in a, a collegial setting mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, try this and whatnot. We use him as, the, I think, a really remarkable example. Uh, another one we put on a UFO and was able to report like he had been abducted mm -hmm. you know, in this case where he had not been, but uh, yeah, UFO sightings were, you know, popular at the time, particularly abduction scenario. So that was one where, again, changing history uh, could cause a, a, a new scenario and be able to describe the situation just as if it were real. Was, it, was that an experiment or was, that, was there a practical use for that? No, no, that was, yeah, <laughs> it was an experiment. Uh, a lot of this was, I mean, it wasn't consciously what we set up to do. It was more serendipitous. Here's the events. Uh, who are we working with? What can we do? Who wants to, you know, we were literally making it up as we went along. So, so pushing as, the envelope. As far as Bandler was concerned, uh, I mean, he was just there and say, okay, we'll try this. So it was, uh, we didn't have things to go through like human use review boards or things that, probably might get into trouble in some of this. So when when this was going on, was was Bandler the one actually doing this or was he kind of overseeing, you know, folks who were trained to, to implement this? Uh, well, he was there. It was a group effort, but he clearly, in my view, was the brains behind uh, NLP. Very bright. And, and adaptive. And, a lot of this was, understand, we were questioning what are the limits, and we were allowed to push out uh, pretty far. We were looking for, as we mentioned uh, in the last iteration, we had a broken army, and we were looking for what are the techniques where we can improve uh, the overall system. And then how long did that go on? When did that stop when, to, to your, for you working with NLP? Well, I've maintained contact and still have contact with them, but... Um, but for the military, I guess. For the military, and, yep. uh, I'd have to check. It's 83, 84 timeframe. 
And was there was there a, a reason? Was there an event, or did it just kind of fizzle out? Was there a? Uh, <laughs> the event was that the boss that I mentioned was forced into retirement. Okay. And, and so and, we we lost the cover. I've talked to uh, creativity, my model of creativity that says you need three things. You know, the guide on and, and the resources, but one of those ain't what I call angels, and that is the people who will fly cover who are willing to, uh, you know, take these chances. And that can be very difficult in a risk aversive uh, organization like the Army generally is. Right. So, you think out of all the things you worked with, because you worked on so many different projects, how would you rank NLP in terms of value and, and potential, you know, for the military? If you if you were to say, you know, on, on a scale of one to ten out of the projects you worked on. Well, that's that's really not fair uh, because I my last job was the director of advanced system concepts for the army, the laboratory yeah. command. So I, was, I had all the directed energy, tactical directed energy systems. And we'll take that off the table. We'll that, take that. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. So, so I had a lot of very high tech stuff. Uh, but, you know, from a practical standpoint, I would rank it very high. And it was interesting because later in 1987, uh, when Max Thurman was the vice and he had brought in the National Academy of Science and National Research Council to look at this range of kind of human performance things we were doing. Um, uh, they were quite critical of many, but this is the one area where they said there probably is uh, potential. Interesting. So, so that's the value. So really, NLP was probably of, of some value or showing some value, even skeptics had kind of agreed with it versus the other program. But because all these programs kind of fell under General Stubblebine when he was forced out the entire operation, they didn't look at, you know, piece by piece. It was a in, in these areas. Yes. And some of it was uh, the guy who was going to become the Axie or now the <laughs> did not like me very much. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did meet him when he was Dernza, and I was in uh, operating, was a colonel by this time, and an operational corset up at NSA and in NSOC, and uh, came face to face, and it was clear he was not happy. He knew me and was not happy to see me on his turf. So, uh, yeah, the you know, the, the, a lot of it is personality dependent. That's the, the third aspect of the thing. You got to have the guy with the guide on who's willing to lead the charge and, you know, get bruised. Mm. So how, how would you think moving forward with, with something like this, if somebody wanted to look at, you know, NLP for the military or they're like, hey, this is something to, to use. And, and and I do want to come back to a statement you made as far as there, you know, it, it's not a... Uh, uh, you know, a miracle cognitive right. performance enhancing, you know, implement. It, it's it's like anything for me, you know, in my world of, of nutrition, it's it's like a specialized diet. I see it for a particular patient that it could be very beneficial in, in certain scenarios, but for other folks, it, it might not be a benefit. Um, so I just, I do want to throw that out there. So I'm not saying that, um, but it, but so to implement it back, especially when we're looking at kind of cognitive performance, how would you maybe, you know, recommend going about that? 
Well, what I would recommend is a having a small group that's willing to get trained up and mm. uh, at least to some degree and bring in experts. I would look at specific skills that you want to have, uh, you know, excel at or ones, particularly ones that might be problematic at this time, but where you notice that you have certain people who seem to have innate skills and kind of not sure why. And that's what we did. I mentioned before the uh, pistol shooting one, but we had the best pistol shooters in the world. And we're able to look at what, what is the critical path model? What are the things that are absolutely essential? And how can I train this and change the format? I mentioned before in the uh, pistol shooting one, one that was totally innovative was, you know, the uh, model where nobody failed that you right. started with success. And, and that was really, you know, so you gotta be willing to think about these things, you know, quite differently uh, and say, ask questions. One of the questions is, you know, for what purpose? I, why are you doing and as each step along the way? Why do you do whatever it is uh, that you're doing? Uh, you know, that, that critical one is why do we start where you can't hit the damn target? <laughs> and you know work until you do and that's the, the answer was that's the way we've always done it mm. yeah that, that's so much uh you know kind of for, for for big institutions like like the military um yeah i mean i'm thinking for you know even things like maybe like a, a ranger school where you have a high attrition rate uh for you know not for the physical components obviously that's that's a different but there's a lot of people that uh you know just quit so yeah. Uh, would, would you look at maybe the people who don't quit and, and what characteristics or psychological characteristics, and then would NLP maybe allow a way to program that into the type of folks who might quit? Well, what I would do is go actually to the Rangers. By the way, I'm, I'm a Ranger. I have affinity uh, for that crowd. Uh, but you got some of these guys that are really super Rangers. Right. And go out and say, okay, let's take five or six of them, okay, what is it? You know, things like what you're addressing here from a metal perspective, what's your metal technique? Uh, I went through, well, I, I went through school in 58, if you wow. will give you something about length of time. But the point is, you know, the stress, many of the stress factors are very similar, not identical now. But what do you do mentally? You know, where do you go? How do you protect yourself? Because you are hungry, you're tired, you're cold. Uh, what is it that gets you through that? And you might not just limit it. Uh, you look at the other organizations like uh, SEALs who have a similar thing with very high attrition, exposed to uh, elements. And by the way, it's, it's not the big jocks. Uh, they mm -hmm. tend to make it through. It's more guys, you know, our size and mm -hmm. smaller. It's just tenacious. And what what are the skills that allow them to do that? I like it. So so you could you could pull from you know different elite kind of military folks or you know tactical athletes, however you want to phrase it, and and find those you know those characteristics find out like how those characteristics like intersect, right? Would you find the, right. you know, the, the main, the main ones. And then, and then from that, you know, uh, 
then how would you how would you take that and then implement it to the to the lower performers? Would that just be using all these different you know imagery, well, mirror, you know, like providing them the skill set? My guess is that a lot of this again is purely mental. That you know, my God, I'm not going to give up, and you know, and but people have a number of mental tricks of finding out what those are and what ones seem to work the best and be transferable uh, to the individuals. And you can teach some of it. You, you said it well before that it's not a panacea. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're, you're not gonna get everybody. But one of the problems you have in these schools is the attrition rate. And that's expensive, just from a pure right. dollar and cent standpoint, because you've gone through now they have you know pre-courses and training and all that all of those things you know cost money time bodies and that um yeah that uh you find out again what's the difference that makes a difference why is it that these people have excelled and others are you know dropping out more frequently are, are these skills that you can now transfer uh to the young students and, and where would uh, you recommend folks go who's listening to this and like, hey, I'd, I would like to try to implement or learn more about NLP? Or the, is there certain books or certain, you know, websites that kind of can get people started on this path? Well, there are NLP uh, websites. Uh, I can put you in touch with uh, Bandler. I, as you know, we've been doing this. I've been uh, communicating with him. We'll see him again. He has a guy by now, John Lavelle, that is one of his main instructors now, but there are courses that are available. The key issue, I think, is going to be finding somebody who has the initiative themselves. You're probably at about the right rank to do it. As we mentioned with Delta and that, and when we were doing this wild and wonderful thing, yeah, I was a lieutenant colonel. <laughs> and uh, no, there's a lot of flexibility there. Uh, that uh, you don't have that's at some other grades with you know the field grade major lieutenant colonels uh, have the drive and the personal initiative can get a lot done interesting no no thank you for that and then i, I yeah i'll i'll put that in the show notes because when i was when i was kind of looking and researching nlp there's there's a lot of different kind of uh, folks you know, offering it. So I didn't know if there was kind of, you know, almost like, uh, you know, martial arts, there's a lot of different jujitsus, <laughs> but, but, but like Brazilian jujitsu or Gracie jujitsu, you know, that's a, that's, that's very different than other, you know, things that might be out there. So I didn't know if NLP was kind of like that or having been engaged in that field as well. Uh, yeah. And one of the things I complain about is the school concept. You know, my instructor can whip your instructor's ass sort of thing yeah. is what you find uh, in there. Are there different techniques? Yeah. And you have to find out what's uh, what's best for you, what's available. That's a lot to do with it. In your case, both time and funding and things of that nature that you know, because if you're going to go to these courses, you're not going to be doing something else. Mm. Uh, you know, so like I said, we we were very fortunate at that time where we had the commanding general who really wanted to focus on these things. We had multiple agencies involved and willing to uh, to do that. 
Um, but uh, as I've said many times, we also had a day job. So a lot of this was in addition to very traditional sorts of things. You got to work around it. Now, thank you for that. And then, uh... Yeah, something something to to think about, and I'll drop some of these you know references kind of in the in the show notes. Is there anything else about NLP we, we didn't cover? I'm thinking we we covered pretty much the 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 performance aspect, the um the the rehabilitative aspect of it. But is there any other pieces that we haven't touched on? Well, we touched on it, but the uh, again what I call state elicitation. How do you establish rapport uh, quickly and uh, you know, it can be very beneficial just from a personal perspective across the board as well. Yeah, or working, I mean, I know with your your experience in special operations, I imagine working with uh, partners in, in those environments as well. Oh, um, yeah. it was, um, very good. Well, hey, uh, you know, uh, John, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, this is this has been great. I, I love I learn learn something new every time I talk to you. Hopefully the, the listeners are enjoying this uh, as well. Um, but I'll, I'll put the NLP references in there um, so folks can look and find more about it. Great. All right. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, hope you learned a lot. Again, I'll have all this information we talked about um, in the show notes. Uh, until next time.